I'm about to say the three words that nobody ever wants to say on camera. I was wrong. Oh, yeah. It's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked on to make every moment more and right now new customers to FanDuel will get $150 back in bonus bets when you make a $5 bet win or lose we wrap up today's episode with a look at the announcement that Benedict College is about to make an announcement on who is going to be their new head football coach this Thursday prior to that We'll be looking at North Carolina A&T men's basketball player Landon Glasper and how he just got some national acclaim. However, I'm going to start off today's show with a little bit of humility with a with, with just being a man. Because at the end of the day, I come on here and I talk every single day for 30 minutes, five days a week, Monday through Friday. You tap in and you listen to me. And I appreciate that. And I think because you are so loyal of a listener so much of a part of the family, you deserve a little bit of accountability on my part. And I I say that, I lead that in to say I was wrong when it comes to Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson is in conversations with Morehouse College to be their new head football coach. And I didn't think this was a possibility. I've pressed this button so often, one could accuse me of hating. I've pressed this button so often one could accuse me of being unfair towards Hugh Jackson. And the button that I'm referencing, the sentiment that I expressed relatively early in his Grambling tenure is this was his last opportunity to be a head coach. If he failed, it was done for him. Now, there was a little bit of a honeymoon period. There was a point in time in which I was like, oh, Hugh Jackson is great, right? I was especially around the time it was like, okay, you had, Dion first, then I think Eddie came before Hugh, then you had Hugh, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly how it happened. So you're looking at three coaches who have NFL ties and have a lot of name recognition. So I remember there was a slight honeymoon period, but it didn't take long for me to get to the point where I'm saying, hey, this is Hugh's last opportunity to be a head football coach. And I meant that. I meant that with so much conviction. I won't back away from it. Now, I don't remember if I spoke about D2. Maybe I said I didn't think he was going to go to the Division II ranks. Maybe I overlooked Division II. I, I don't 
exactly remember. For some reason, saying I don't think he'll go to the D2 ranks sounds the most familiar. But either way, I was wrong. Like, neither one of those clears me up any. Now, I'll say this. Clearly, that wasn't on my brain. I was thinking FCS. But, like, I can try to shoot myself bail all I want. But the fact of the matter is I was wrong. Now, you want to know what Hugh Jackson and Hugh Jackman have in common outside of a very similar name that you got to say slowly to make sure you don't think you got the person mixed up? And if you haven't checked out Logan, please skip ahead about 15 seconds. Neither one of these men will die. If you watch Logan, Wolverine is supposed to die at the end of the movie. And now all of a sudden, Hugh Jackson, or excuse me, Hugh Jackman is revived in his role with Deadpool 3. Blows my mind. Neither one of these guys will ever be done with what they do. And this may seem like a little bit of goalpost moving. But this has to be the last opportunity. The reason I said that a while ago is we've seen him coach at the NFL level at two spots, and it hasn't worked out. And I understand things aren't always on his side. But if things consistently tend to not be on your side, you're going to stop getting opportunities for things to not be on your side. Like, people will tell you that, there was things in Cleveland going wrong, things in Oakland that were going wrong. I thought that Grambling was too impatient with him. Things went wrong there. But if every single place you go, you're pointing the finger at somebody else, people are going to stop pointing the finger at you and saying that we want you. Like they're going to point the finger at you and say it's your fault or you're the common denominator, but they're not going to point the finger and say we want you. That's just not how it's going to go. So this has to be the last opportunity. And maybe I didn't mention D2 last time. I'll mention D3 right now. He's not going. I thought the next time that I would hear Hugh Jackson's name, it would be as a part of a staff. But it's clear to me that he wants to lead his own staff, which I respect. You got to commend it. He is a head coach. He has been a head coach. He doesn't want to go be an offensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach. He doesn't want to do that anymore. He is a head coach. So Morehouse is it, it's not a great situation. I'll be honest with you. They need to, and one of my closest friends, like my brother, he went to Morehouse, right? He went to the house and they need to make sure that they're patient with him. I don't believe that Morehouse was patient with their last coach. No, they weren't. I don't even say believe. No, no, they were not patient. With Coach Wilson. They wasn't. They were not a patient squad with him. One year in, a lot of the things that were going on, the, the letter he wrote was very telling. Grambling, you can make an argument that they weren't that patient with Hugh either. I thought that was too soon. And I know I've been saying that he's on the hot seat. And I was saying all of these things. And maybe by the time that I sided with Hugh, it fell on deaf ears because people heard. This is last opportunity. He's on the hot seat. And they, they just heard all of those things and took it as me just being too negative. It's okay. It happens. But one of the things that also happened is I said that Hugh Jackson will be done coaching. When he got fired, I said that was his last opportunity. He's finished. I said that. I came on here and I wrote that man's obituary. So now I got to come on here and I got to say the three words that nobody ever wants to say on camera, but at the end of the day, I'm a man, so I can do it. I was wrong. And now we're going to move on to some stuff that I'm not wrong about. 
And that's the fact that Landon Glasper, North Carolina A&T's leading scorer in men's basketball, was just awarded a national award that will break down as we continue with Locked On HBCU. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, my my Pelicans went crazy today. They went ballistic against the Jazz. If you put some money down on the Pels, you won. If you're new to FanDuel and you put some money down on the Pels, then you won two times over. Because no matter if you win or lose, but in this case, you won. You put down a $5 bet, you get $150 back in bonus bets if you are new to FanDuel. It's just that simple. It's just that exciting. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. Of course, you could do the NBA. could do the NFL playoffs because they're coming up. You only have three games left. You could go with the NHL is back. There's so many things for you to do that there's no reason for you not to go to the website and look for it. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, and remember, if you're new to FanDuel, you get $150 back in bonus bets with a $5 bet. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Remember, for your second listen, we're checking out Locked on Sports today. All day, every day, first of its kind, 24-7 Sports Network on YouTube. Go to Locked on Sports today to subscribe. Now let's go ahead and keep rolling as we look at North Carolina A&T. Their leading scorer, Landon Glasper, has received national acclaim for his scoring barrage that he's went on recently. He has been exceptional over the last three games, right? One of my things that I'm trying to start up, let me know how I like it. Don't be acceptable, be exceptional, right? And that's what I feel like, I don't know, man, I... I, that's my first time saying it out loud. So I just thought in my head earlier today. I like it. Anyway, 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 anyway. You're looking at Landon Glasper, who is a walking bucket, and right now he's running. Like, this is a guy who is averaging 21.3 points per game, second in the C, uh, CAA, 10th in the NCAA, period, right, in the nation. Looking at the 10th leading scorer in the nation, second leading scorer in the conference. This man is a walking bucket every day that ends in a Y. And when you look at what he was able to do over the last three games, he's in a stretch that he's never hit. First and foremost, against Northeastern, he actually had his season high in points. That's number one. He had his season high in points, 35 points against Northeastern. And, excuse me, overall, he's averaged 29 points per game. It was 28.7 So you're looking at 28.7, 29 points per game when you're looking at what he's been able to do over the last three games. And the first one was against Northeastern, or I don't remember the order, actually. You have Howard, Hampton, excuse me, Northeastern, and you have William and Mary. Those are the three teams that you have. For his efforts, he was able to win the CAA Player of the Week. 
of course, right? Like that's no that's no surprise. Nobody should have not seen that coming when you play the way he played. It would have to be somebody who just went even crazier to top that. But then he also got the Lou Henson Player of the Week, which is awarded nationally to the best mid-major school. So that's – or mid-major player, excuse me. So that's all the HBCUs, number one. All the HBCUs are in that conversation. It's a lot of PWIs in that conversation. I just don't know how to describe or how to group them in, not the huge school. So basically, if you're not a big school but you're D1, this is the pool that you're picking from. Um, in addition to having 35 in, in that game against Northeastern, he followed up with a season-high eight rebounds in the next game, and he dropped down to 27 points. Ooh. That man really lost his touch in that one. But in all seriousness, like you're looking at it, this cold is making, or I don't even know if it's a cold, but this cough is making it very difficult to joke around because I can't even laugh, like be funny with it. But you're looking at a player who scored 24, 35, 27. And that 35 point sticks out, but it's also how he did it. He was efficient from three, but he didn't launch a bunch of threes. But when he got to the strike, that's where he really put in his best work. 15 for 15 from the uh from the free throw line. Okay. You're looking at a player who, excuse me, you're looking at a player who has been able to score in multiple ways, and that's what he does extremely well. Over the course of these three games, he's averaged about 29 points, six rebounds, and then two assists. And yes, his individual ability has led to individual acclaim. But it's also led to probably the most valuable thing, which is team success, right? We we can acknowledge, shout out Randall Barnes, right? Um, Fort Valley State alum, right? HBCU post on Sirius XM. We were having a conversation on the timeline earlier today about Joel Embiid and his, and his drop in 70, but then him saying he doesn't care until he gets a ring. Team success is great. But sometimes it's important to acknowledge the individual success. And that's what I want to make sure we do. And luckily, the individual success has also led to team success. So they won all three of those matchups that they faced. Hampton, Northeastern, and then also William and Mary. This three-game stretch was important because it gave them a three-game winning streak and put them at four and two so that they're tied with, like, a ton of teams. The, the way the CAA is stacking up is crazy. They're second place, but it's five teams, four teams. <clears throat> Excuse me. What you're looking at? Four teams? Yeah. So you have four teams tied at four and two at second place. So that's two through five with the same record. Then you go to three and three, and you have five teams who are tied at that for sixth, right? So you have six through ten with the same record, two through five with the same record, and then everybody's looking up at Drexel, who's undefeated, and they have no losses. Everybody else has at least two. They ain't even played seven games, or nobody else even plays seven games. That's a lie. Hampton plays seven games. The only two teams to play seven games are the ones that have won all the games and the ones that haven't won a game at all. But it's just wild to me that you have nine teams who are that condensed. I don't care how early in the season it is not – it's not two games in. You're six games in at this point. To have nine teams within one game, four of them at four and two, 
five of them at three and three. That's just a crazy distribution, if you ask me. Then you look at where are the teams that ANC beat rank. And you have Hampton at 0 and 7. You have Northeastern at 3 and 3. And then William and Mary at 2 and 4. So, yeah, you have two teams who aren't really a part of that conglomerate, but that win with Northeastern, if you want to describe it as the haves and the have nots, it allowed North Carolina AT to be a have. When losing that game, would have put them in a have not. It would have put them in a 3 and 3 category with the teams who are 6 through 10. The teams who have the third best conference record in the conference, but are in sixth place. It's tough, <laughs> but that's the, that's the little mark of separation. As we move forward, I don't know if Benedict college is going to separate themselves. I don't know if Benedict college is going to separate themselves from how they used to do it over the last couple of years, but it'll be interesting because they are going to announce who their new head football coach is going to be this Thursday. But let's break down the process that has gone on and why I think that Benedict College is doing a coaching search the right way. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Now, Benedict College will name their new head football coach on Thursday. And this coaching search has flew so under the radar that even I began to forget about it. it is, this has flown under the radar for a couple of reasons. One, everybody wanted their coach to leave. I'm not lying, y'all. I'm not lying. Everybody was looking, where is Chinnis Berry going to go? He didn't leave last year, so we know he's leaving this year. I don't think people wanted Benedict College to be bad, but it's just like we know Barry's out of here at some point, and maybe maybe Coach Pugh's retirement made us all say, yeah, it's happening now. Maybe, maybe. But everybody was like, okay, is Chinnis Barry going to choose South Carolina State like we think? Is he going to go to Southern, maybe throw a curveball there? And you had a couple of people like me throwing rocks at the stars saying maybe he'll land at Texas Southern. But like I said, you throw rocks at the stars, a lot of times you can't land. You can't land, but that's okay. But overall, people were looking for him to be gone. So now that he left, people aren't really discussing, well, who's going to replace him? I think part of that has to do with the fact that they're a D2 school, and we talk about D1 schools a lot, and I'm not just speaking on this particular show. Just in general, you see a lot of conversations around D1 HBCUs and their coaching searches. And speaking of which, you've had very prominent coaching searches that have had very public actions to where you're not looking at anybody else. I'm looking at FAMU. I'm looking at Texas Southern because they ran this the way I wouldn't want to run it. Benedict College had the, the coaching search the way I would like for it to be. My coach left. Big story. Relatively quiet. Actually, it was silent. Then they're about to hire somebody. They'll hire them. That'll be the big story. That's the way that I'm looking at it. That's what I would want. On a show like this where we are essentially national, right, because I'm covering so many HBCUs, I'm not discussing many coaching processes. And if I do, it's a problem or the end is near. 
how I'm covering this right now, despite the fact that Benedict has not named a head coach, is because the end is near. How I covered FAMU is because they had mess. That back and forth publicly with the with the alumni and the, the athletic director, no bueno. But who am I to sit around and cast judgment? Because I'm surely not. I'm a Texas Southern alum. How we did Fred McNair and Andre Johnson having them worn it out for a month. Only to see another guy come in because you went through three board meetings and you couldn't approve anybody. That's not how you're supposed to run a coaching search. That's not what I would want for you to talk about if I was the one doing a coaching search. So I think that BC has done their job the right way. That's me, at least. That is me. This is Coaching searches are not supposed to be a big deal, not the process of them. Not the process. Maybe if you're doing a show specifically about a school, specifically about a team, and you're honed in, yes, then you cover it. Then everything I said about that's not the reason you want to be in the conversation, that's out of the, the window. If I cover Benedict College specifically, I would want to know about the ins and outs of the coaching search so that I can bring that information to you. That's a different conversation, but I'm national. I got to worry about Texas Southern. I got to worry about FAMU. I got to worry about Benedict College. I got to worry about Alcorn. I got to worry about uh, Morehouse College. I got to worry about Southern. I got to worry about Grambling. These are a bunch of coaching searches that I have to look at. I can't just go into all while covering football, transfer portals, and basketball. We have so many things to talk about that we're not just going to be like, okay, let's just look at what's happening. No, something has to happen. This is a national show. Something has to happen with BC for me to get to that point, right? So um, I think that this is interesting, though, because I will be I will be fascinated to see how in-house they go. They right now have a running backs coach, their running backs coach, Devon Smith, who is the interim head coach. Maybe they go the route that FAMU alum want, and then FAMU alum be like, told you what, what Shan do. I, I couldn't do it that well, but it's okay. I'm not Shannon. But that may be the route they go. We'll see. It's Thursday. This is flowing under the radar. I almost forgot that they didn't have a coach. But this Thursday, which means we'll talk about it on Friday, because it'll be Thursday morning. Uh, they said 11.30 a.m., so I'll be expecting 10.30 Central Time, 11.30 uh, Eastern Time. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting, man. Coach Barry went back-to-back. -back. He took a team that was 1-9 the year before the pandemic. Took a year to get into the groove and then went undefeated in the regular season, back to back seasons. Had a had a form. It, it's it's a lot to deal with. These are big shoes to step in, but do you step into the same shoes? That's the question. On tomorrow's episode, we'll probably yeah. I think we're gonna look at the the uh, the Orange Blossom Classic again because now it's official that Alabama State and North Carolina Central will be facing off against each other. I think that this gives a nice second week in a row of a big SWAC versus MEAC game. And we'll look at that on tomorrow's episode. In the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.